Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. Real quick, before we get started, I do have a little update on my like ongoing tally of how many actors are in all three Stargate shows. And so there are now 14 people on my list. I've added three more like background character people. <laughs> there is Kirby Morrow, who was in two episodes of SG-1, eight of Atlantis as Captain Dave Kleinman, and one of SGU. Sean Carey is various in one episode each. And Brett Wise is various in six of SG-1, two of SGA, two of SGU. And then there are now four stunt performers who have been in all three shows and one visual effects coordinator who has been in all three shows. There we go. So, yeah. And of course there's like the producers and stuff are on all three shows, but I don't count them. They're not as interesting. Nah, they're not fun. <laughs> nah. Who cares about them? They don't do anything. <laughs> yeah. So last week we finished up Stargate Infinity, never to be watched again. <laughs> Sad. It's bittersweet. It is bittersweet. And two weeks ago, we finished up SG-1 Season 4, with the exception of the very last episode, which we will be talking about today, the finale of Season 4, plus the first two episodes of Season 5. We've got Exodus, Enemies, and Threshold. Exodus premiered on February 23rd, 2001, and was written by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully, and directed by David Warry Smith. Enemies premiered on June 29th, 2001. It was written by Robert C. Cooper, Brad Wright, Joseph Malazzi, and Paul Mully, and directed by Martin Wood. Threshold premiered on July 6, 2001. It was written by Brad Wright and directed by Peter DeLuise. So we're launching season five with a major villain moment. Arzu, would you please summarize? Apophis is here. Apophis is dead. Teal'c is bad. Teal'c is good. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's the summary. That's it. We're done. Let's go home. Wait, we are home. <laughs> I mean, okay. They they face off with Apophis. For, yeah, yeah. Thankfully, the last time. I'm oh. so done with Apophis. For thankfully, the last time. Yeah. Um, and then another villain comes in. And another villain comes in, but it's not Apophis. <laughs> that, I think it's important we remember. It's not Apophis. But then... Teal, who they thought was dead, mm -hmm. um, not dead, mm -hmm. but he was put in the sarcophagus and brainwashed by Apophis, and they kind of have yeah. to like beat his memories back into him. <laughs> yeah, basically. And he's good again. Yeah. Yeah, so he got a lot of it. Chris Judge got a lot of airtime. And listen, th this man, we he know. He had a lot a of shirtless player. time, too. We <laughs> had this moment in um, Threshold where I was uh -huh. like, Oh, he's like, <laughs> I put it in my notes too, but I'm just going to go right to it in one of the, cause there's flashbacks to like yeah, yeah. young Teal becoming mm -hmm. um, the, the prime prime. I'm like doubting yeah. myself now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So becoming like the prime um, and his wife's mad at him and he's like, do not test my patience woman. And I'm like, yeah. well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> if I keep testing your patience. I, I, I have a little bone to pick with her because he was like having this huge like existential crisis about what to do with his life and she's like let's just go bang one out and I'm like on Wait. the one hand listen to him have an existential crisis like help him through it but on the other hand 
we stand a relatable queen. <laughs> She's like, I don't know how to help you. This is how I can help you. Let's go to the bedroom. <laughs> it's how it it's a good idea. <laughs> it's a good idea. I guess it worked. I mean, I would suggest it as a solution. Maybe not the first solution, but like the third solution. <laughs> If you're married, it might be your first solution. If you, no, if you're married, you, first you talk it out, and then if yeah. you want help, you try to fix it, and then uh, yeah. you can't fix it, then you bang it out. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna get demonetized. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, this podcast is not monetized, but our YouTube is. <laughs> Maybe if enough people listen to us, we will be someday. But anyway, when we get to bang it out, they're gonna be like, actually, never mind. Uh, yeah, we're revoking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do our quote reveal. Last week, I gave you the quote. I'm sorry, I had to shoot you. You didn't give me much choice, though. And your guess was that Jack has shot one of the SG1 members, just stunned, probably Daniel, because he was being really out of pocket. <laughs> you were mostly right. <laughs> It was Jack talking to Tilk, but Tilk was being really out of pocket. So <laughs> I don't think I guessed the context for out of pocket. I could not have possibly guessed this, but um, I'll take. But that. I mean, you were you were really close. I mean, I think, and part of your context was that Jack shot one of the SG one members. So I mean, like, yeah. So I think there's an opening joke. I don't remember the actual joke. I just have in my notes that Sam thinks Jack's joke is funny, but the Toker don't get it. So that's that's on par. <laughs> this show has a really bad habit of starting episodes. It has a pacing problem um, for big episodes where they'll like start in the middle of something. And I'm like, if it was like a one-off episode where you need them to already be in the situation so that we can catch up with them and like something went wrong and the, the what went wrong is the bulk of the episode fine mm -hmm. but big episodes like this i'm like you can't start in the middle you need to back up a little bit okay and this was one of those episodes where i'm like back up by like five minutes i always start episodes like this feeling like i missed something hmm. do you know what i mean i'll get to it at the end of, yeah. of the first episode in particular because the season five like two-parter i thought worked really well but yeah yeah episode 22 was a bit funny so yeah. we'll talk about that when we get to the end of episode 22 yeah so yeah so essentially in the previous episodes sg1 had defeated Cronus with the help of their robot counterparts that all got killed off sadly mm -hmm. and so now they have Cronus's mothership and so jack thinks that they just should keep it for themselves but hammond is being nice enough to lend it to the tokra to help them move to a new planet and at first I thought that they were just going to like give it to them. And I was like, if they're going to like give them a mothership, then they need like 10 big favors in return. But I think are the ones that won't tell them anything. Yeah. So like, <laughs> why are I'm they even on... lending them the ship? Right. I'm kind of on Jack's side. Like they haven't yeah. really done much wrong. <laughs> and sometimes they've just like gotten you into trouble. Like when, um, what's her name brought those armbands. And just like created chaos, yeah. Anise, I think that was Anise, one of yeah. their two names. Yeah, <sighs> the Tokra like just get on my nerves sometimes. Yeah, they're like, I get where they're coming from. I like the thing they were saying about their their shady guy whose name escapes me, the one who's in this episode, Tanith. Tanith, 
Like when they were like, oh, let him think that we don't suspect anything. And then we'll... like, I understand their logic and where they're coming from. But sometimes I'm like, y'all don't think things all the way through. I have such a bone to pick with exactly this issue with the Tok'ra. Because so Jack and Jacob had this long conversation about basically the the strategy for defeating the gold. And Jack is, like, you know, bragging about having killed Cronus. And, you know, they also killed, like, Ra and Hathor, blah, blah, blah. And Jacob was like, yeah, and you're, like, ruining all our plans. And Jack's like, what are you talking about? And and Jacob's like, we're playing the long game. We're, like, slowly undermining them until we can figure out how to get rid of them completely. And so you coming in and killing all these powerful Gua'uld is upsetting the power balance and so it's causing more problems and Jack's like okay but what is your final plan to get rid of them and Jacob's like we're still working on it so I'm like so you don't have a plan the Tok'ra do not have a plan they are just (laughs) they're so annoying they're like, they we don't have a plan, acting, but we know better than you. Right? Like, they're just acting as spies, essentially, like, infiltrate. Like, they're okay with, like, getting information. I mean, they're not bad at doing that, necessarily. But to what end? If you're not ever going to kill any of the ghouls, well, then what's the point? I don't know what the Toker are doing half the time. Yeah. They're just there. No thoughts, yeah. only vibes. Like, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they're they're, infiltrating. I guess. Sure. (laughs) Okay. They're infiltrating like Daniel was looking for Sheree. Like they do it when they remember. Yeah. But otherwise they're just kind of there. Yeah. I don't because I feel like they I mean they've done like lots of little things. They've gotten like helpful information sometimes, but they've never I don't know that they've ever killed one of the major Gwold themselves. You know what I mean? Like yeah. So, and they have been supposedly fighting for a couple thousand years. So, when is your plan supposed to come to fruition? Well, it's not going to because you don't have one. And so it's I like I just, I I just I think it's so like hypocritical for the Tokra to be so high and mighty and be like we're better than you because we're like literally so much older than you and we've had this technology for so much longer but then you know the the tari come in and they're like hey we actually like killed half a dozen well old <laughs> you know we're making substantial change and Tokoro are like oh but it's not the kind of change that we wanted Tokoro like we don't tell people things we have secrets <laughs> right and I'm just like, and I think it's even more frustrating hearing it coming from Jacob because he should know better because he's from Earth. You know what I mean? Like, so he should be able to kind of bridge this gap a little bit. Seems like he's more on the Togro side when it's like, come on, dude. Like, you know, you better. Be yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just frustrating. It is frustrating. Very annoying. Yeah. And like they're using a mothership to move their base. I'm like, I logistically, I don't really see how using a mothership is any faster than just going through the Stargate. 
because you have to like pack everything up in boxes and move it. I don't understand how using the mothership would be that much faster. Because then you go like the the mothership travel. can go settle like directly where they want to settle as opposed to coming out of the Stargate and then having to move from the Stargate to wherever they want to settle. But I mean, it's I, mean, not I would presume they want to settle near the Stargate, but yeah, they're going to want to settle near the Stargate and they just like underground like they normally do. I mean, so, but if we're not on the mothership, then we don't get the plot. Well, yeah, of course. The only thing um, I could think is like, maybe they're going to like take a Stargate from this planet, maybe and move it to a planet that doesn't have a Stargate because then it's not going to be on anybody's maps. Could be. That makes sense. That'd be very in line with how secretive they are. Yeah. Another thing that I was thinking about was, so they're, the Tok'ra are trying to find a new base that is not on the Gwold's list of Stargate locations. So I was like, why not just pick something that's from the Ancients database? And so that makes me wonder... Are the Tari keeping the ancient database a secret from the Tok'ra? I don't know, but that would track. I mean, I think it would be surprising to me that they would keep it a secret. But then again, the Tok'ra are so stingy with telling information. Maybe the Tari are like, well, we're not going to volunteer this information for them. The Tok'ra and the Tari are both so shady to me that I keep getting them mixed up. I'm like, one of them are the secret yeah. keepers. <laughs> <laughs> That's and I know it's the Tok'ra, <laughs> but I feel like where our Earth group are constantly like, maybe if we tell the Tok'ra this secret, they'll tell us stuff, and then they just don't. Yeah, the, the um, Tari are like, no, tip for that. <laughs> maybe I'm also wondering if the if the Tari are just like, you know what, we're gonna keep this one to ourselves. Like we found this database, <laughs> like. We went through a lot for it. Jack went through a lot to get this. So <laughs> we're just going to keep it to ourselves. It could also be that it didn't occur to the writers. Yeah. That's Which awesome. I think is the more yeah. the more likely option. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And supposedly they're going to be loading the ship out in exchange for lessons in how to use various global technology and i'm like i feel like they should have done that already if they were allies you know what i mean which makes me wonder like what exactly are they keeping from them well it, 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 this obvious hasn't been addressed yet well like and jacob was saying how he didn't think that they should keep the mothership that they found anyway because the technology is like so far beyond them and they don't understand it and it's like so teach them they wouldn't be this like backwards planet that you keep referring to them as if you just taught them stuff <laughs> but are they worthy of the knowledge are they right. advanced yeah. enough for the knowledge no they're too yeah. young you just wouldn't understand. And it's like, I mean, they've understood everything that's been explained to them so far. So, like, <laughs> it's like, it's, there's a word for this. Snootiness. Mm -hmm. Like, just this sense of, like, we know best. Yeah. Don't like it. Don't jive with it. Very egotistical, for sure. Technical, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I don't know where I got that from. Oh, man. 
yeah, so I mean, this whole thing started with some scenes with Tanith and like revealing to Tanith that they're going to be changing planets and that they know that he's actually a mean gold instead of a good Tokra. And I just have my notes like these scenes are dragging. Oh my God, this first episode was so boring. <laughs> it was very it was slow. So boring. <laughs> I think it was only like the first half of the episode that was slow. And then it kind of like started when there started being like more action start picking up some well, even the action was boring because it wasn't overly invested in what they were doing <laughs> it was only when when it became like more personal and about like teal yeah yeah that I got but i mean we did have like like lots of like little jokes from jack which i think helped a little bit <laughs> it, listen it definitely eases things although i did mishear <laughs> him at one point so he calls jacob jake yes but i sort of misheard it and thought Jacob was calling Jack Jake and I'm oh, like the no. disrespect <laughs> like he's intentionally getting his name wrong to show him how little he respects him which I thought was really funny and then I realized that I just yeah. misheard it I mean Jack is already a nickname it'd be really weird to call him Jake no but it's like you know when um to show someone is jealous in like a teen movie or whatever they like intentionally uh -huh. mispronounce a guy's name right I thought that's what he was yeah. doing, and I'm like, is this because he's dating your daughter? Yeah. I've been watch I've been rewatching Chilling Adventures of Sabrina for Halloween season, and uh, Nick does that, and it's really annoying. <laughs> yeah, so I thought I thought it was that he was like, okay, Jake, and I'm like, call him on it, Jack, and he like didn't, and then I realized why. <laughs> okay, teenagers. <laughs> um, but in one of Jack's jokes, I felt like he made a really interesting point where like they're waiting for the the ring transporter to come up and transport them into the ship and the tokra just go and stand on this random patch of sand with no distinguishing features and he's like how do you know where to stand <laughs> i did think that was funny it's just like you know to stand there i think probably the the answer is that the tokra and tilk tilk also had no problems fighting it I think it's because they can probably sense the Naquita underneath the sand. Oh. And that makes sense. Jack can't. So he that just has to sense. observe where they're standing and hope for the best. <laughs> so I don't know if that's something that the writers actually thought of, or I'm just like making this connection, but <laughs> that's how it makes sense to me. I mean, it makes sense to me. <laughs> so essentially... They are going to try to lure Apophis into the star system and try to trap him and kill him on their way out to their new home planet. Because I guess, what is it like Tanith? Oh, because Tanith escapes. They originally weren't going to do all that, but Tanith escaped. And they're like, okay, well, if Apophis is going to come here, we might as well do something about it, take advantage of the situation. So they have this plan to blow up the sun and that will like take out Apophis's fleet and I was like I just find it really interesting that they immediately jump to let's blow up the star and therefore this entire solar system without really thinking about the consequences that that might have <laughs> you know yeah because I'm like well if this particular solar system is completely destroyed, that's going to shift things in the galaxy a little bit. Because it has like outward repercussions. 
Yeah, because everything is like slightly pulling on each other all the time. Like all the various solar systems in the galaxy are like kind of keeping each other in place via different directional gravity thing. You know what I mean? Like I'm not a scientist, but it's all essentially holding itself together. And if you suddenly take out a huge chunk of it, then the, the neighboring solar systems are going to shift position and possibly be torn apart. Yeah. You know, so it could be destroying more than one solar system. That's another thing I think the writers just didn't think about. <laughs> because not not just because, like, they're lazy or because mm-hmm. it, it didn't have an effect, but I think they didn't think about it because that's the kind of consequence that makes for good TV. Yeah. It, it really ups the stakes, which is something that episode 22 was severely lacking. Mm-hmm. So if they had thought of it, mm-hmm. it would have made excellent stakes, but they didn't. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they decide that they are going to blow up this star by using the Stargate to dial the planet that is or the Stargate that used to be on a planet that was orbiting a uh, neutron binary star system, which is now a black hole, so that the black hole will suck enough matter out of the sun to collapse it, basically. Well, I guess not really collapse it. You're removing mass, and therefore the chemical reactions are doing things that they don't really normally do and so it explodes that's about yeah. as sciencey as i can get <laughs> yeah science <laughs> I, i'm not sure how much more, more precise i could be with that <laughs> but anyway so i did i did appreciate the fact that they acknowledged that the stargate that is now orbiting a black hole is probably still intact and still orbiting the black hole because it would take years to actually fall into the black hole. I'm like, yes, that is real physics. Like, thank you for acknowledging that it would take a very, very long time. <laughs> Even the planet itself is maybe not necessarily completely broken apart. It might be in chunks, you know, but. Right. So, yeah, I think it'll still be there for a while. They can still utilize that black hole for a few years. <laughs> and so they they're going through this whole plan and Tilk is really upset that Tanith escaped because he really wanted to kill him himself. As he has some great for... emotional range in this episode. He does. He's still real salty about Shanok dying and so he wants to get revenge on Tanith himself. And there's a really interesting conversation between Daniel and Tilk about whether basically whether or not revenge is a good idea essentially and Teal'c is like well so Daniel's like trying to convince Teal'c that Teal'c doesn't need to go after Tanith personally that you know they have a plan to get rid of him and Teal'c may not be the one to press the trigger but like they'll get him in the end and Teal'c is like helpful Daniel (laughs) Teal'c is like or I could kill him myself Daniel's like sitting there going, the best revenge is a life well lived. And right. Like, well, Tan isn't going to live much longer. Right. And so Teal asks a really good, interesting question. He's like, 
So you're telling me that if Apophis was right in front of you and you had a chance to strangle him to death with your own hands, would you not do that after what he did to your wife? And Daniel's like, touche. Daniel's like, who? <laughs> That's what I, <laughs> I was watching that. I was like, absolutely. Arzu is thinking that Daniel forgot that he had a wife until this exact moment. <laughs> Daniel's like sitting there going, well, it's hard to say. I've never been married, so I don't I don't know what I would do in that situation. This asshole. Yeah, so, so Daniel is like, well, it would definitely cross my mind, but I hope that I would be capable of rational restraint if given the opportunity. And no, like, don't worry, oh, Daniel. Okay. You're fine. You have nothing but restraint. <laughs> you have too much restraint. You have a li- yeah, you have way too much restraint. It's like, oh no, my wife was kidnapped. Anyway, here's some rocks. <laughs> you need to be a little bit more passionate about the lady love. <laughs> like, he's like, hold me back. Guys, guys, mm-hmm. but there's like nobody holding him back. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, well, guess they held me back. And they're like all and, in another room. And it's so funny to me, too, that Teal'c is so hell-bent on getting revenge on Tanith when like his wife is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> they're all such terrible husbands. <laughs> they really are. Even Jack's not a great husband. No. <laughs> he, he abandoned his wife after their In son died. Grief. <laughs> In her grief. And it was kind of his fault. Indirectly. Indirectly. But like, if you didn't have a gun <laughs> in the house. So, they're all bad husbands. <laughs> Except General Hammond. He feels like a good husband. Yeah, he, he seems like a good grandfather at least. Good husband, <laughs> good dad, good grandpa. General Hammond knows what's up. Yeah. So yeah, Teal'c is getting revenge for his lady love even though his wife is still alive. But anyway. <laughs> I feel like she's sitting at home like okay. <laughs> I'm sorry that your girlfriend died. She's sitting at home with his son right? going well, the F me, I guess. <laughs> His son, who is, like, growing up and probably needing a father figure right now. Growing up without his daddy, and I should point out, when his wife tried to remarry because she thought he was dead, Teal freaked the hell out. So, mm-hmm. yep. Teal's sure really not a great husband. Hot, but not a great husband. <laughs> Yeah, also not the best father necessarily. I mean, it could still be that he's going to see them every weekend. It's very possible. It's but just like, that we're not really told that. So we're not told that. And what we are told is that he's on this revenge quest for his ex girlfriend. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, not a great husband. You know, you know. So jack is basically just watching while sam enacts this plan to <laughs> dial up the stargate to the black hole and she basically like she's they have this setup where it's like in the cargo bay with clamps and like a force shield and she's gonna let it go and it's gonna slowly drift towards the sun and as it drifts towards the sun the sun will destroy the force field around it and then the black hole will start eating the mass of the sun and um, she's like 
getting ready to push the button to like release the clamps to let the Stargate go out of the ship. And she hesitates and Jack asks why. And she's just like, I've never blown up a star before. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. I would I would also hesitate. Jack, yeah, Jack's just like, well, they say the first one is the hardest. Because he's blown up several. <laughs> I'm like, this is like a, a nice little like husband and wife moment, you know. Husband and wife. <laughs> they are mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. This is like the husband and wife that we actually care about in this show. Honestly, if they let them get married, <laughs> he'll be a good husband to her. Right? <laughs> Can't have nice things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so they're doing all this stuff and there is suddenly an Alkesh that comes into the system. This Alkesh is kind of like on its way to pick up Tanith, but before it does, it like shoots at the mothership. And I was like, I don't understand why they were taking so much time to try to destroy this Alkesh when they could have just jumped to hyperspeed. The moment they saw it, you know, like, why are you concerned about it if you know it's going to blow up soon anyway? I don't know. The plot demands it. Yeah, essentially. So then they're having all these mechanical problems and the weapons don't work. So Teal'c and Jack take a glider out to destroy this Elkesh and Jacob and Sam go to like the engine room or whatever to work on the hyperdrive and so Daniel is left on the bridge and he's like I am the last person who should be in charge of this he's like I do not know what I'm doing I'm like well you know at least he's aware that he's underqualified to be there right now self-aware king yeah and like Jacob comes back in right in time that that Daniel is like, um, there's this flashing and it's saying warning over and over again. I think something bad is happening. It's not bad. <laughs> I'm like, great deductive reasoning, Daniel. There he's That's still. why he's a doctor. That's how he got the PhD. Right. <laughs> he figured out that uh, a warning was bad. Mm -hmm. What a guy. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, we've got kind of like a dual plot thing going on where Jacob and Sam and Daniel are on the mothership trying to simultaneously repair it and also stay out of the way because Apophis comes in and Jack and Teal'c shoot down this Elkesh, but then they're like realizing that it was going to pick up Tannis. So Teal'c was like, well, I gotta, I gotta go kill him. Like, I gotta. That's my thing. That's what I'm doing this episode. <laughs> so they go after Tanith. And I don't think Tanith knows about the plan about blowing up the sun. Because I'm assuming that he probably would have warned Apophis if he knew about it. Yeah. <laughs> so Tanith manages to... Well, there's a couple Jaffa who come down from Apophis's ship and shoot Teal'c in the back, so Tanith manages to take the injured Teal'c up to Apophis's ship, and and Apophis is really happy because he's like, "Well, I didn't catch the Tok'ra, but I got Teal'c, so you know, a win's a win." 
And I'm assuming Tanith then goes to one of other Apophis's other ships because Apophis but like brought like a whole fleet with him, and we don't see Tanith again. So I'm assuming he didn't stay on the mothership like with Apophis. He was like, I'm not invested in this three parter. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> they have to save him for later. <laughs> Do we see we see Tanith again? No, I think he died. Did he? Well, because every ship blew up except for Apophis's. Look, here's my thing. Unless I see them die. Yeah. I'm assuming they're not dead. I mean, I can double check and see if the actor shows up again. Because, you know, like you think Apophis is dead and then he shows up like surprise bitch. Right. So. <laughs> That's a very good point. He do- He's like a cockroach. He really he is. Just- he just has a tendency to pop back on up when you least expect it. Let's see. Tanith, played by Peter Wingfield. Let's see. How many episodes was he on? Oh, he was in Catwoman and X2. Okay. Sanctuary. Tanith. He's only in three episodes. Total. He does come back one more time. So okay. I guess he did manage to escape somehow. Unless it's a flashback. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's uh, it's in season five, so it's not too far along. I'm not sure if it's a flashback or not, but he did, at least the actor shows up one more time. We'll keep an eye out. Yeah. And Apophis still has a little bit of his gold makeup, uh, but he's he's more leaning into the Sokar aesthetic. He's in his Sokar era. Yeah. <laughs> it's his bad boy era. I mean, well, I mean, can a villain have a bad boy era if he's already a bad boy? It's like his goth era, maybe? His goth era. Yeah. So more because he was more of like a He's in his like crunchy boy. granola era because he's wearing less makeup. <laughs> <laughs> clean living upon <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know if you can have clean living when you have metal on your face, but he's living clean. He's I think it's more like goth. Land. Like he he's got the metal on his face and more of a, like a rugged like dark red black kind of you know he does like get ready with me videos <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know I don't think he wears skirts anymore that's a shame get ready with me to go blow up SG one <laughs> I swear it's like a hobby of him to like run into SG one he's like yeah oh, he likes it. it. For his only friend. (laughs) He's like, I have plans with my friends, and his underlings are like, chasing SG1 is not plans with your friends. (laughs) So, anyway, they manage to blow up the sun. Like, eventually, the, you know, the Stargate does its thing with the black hole. And I tried to count the number of ships that Apophis came with. I think I counted 13. I'm not totally sure. So he lost 12 ships. I don't even know if that was his entire fleet or not, but it's a lot. He lost all but one. Yeah. So SG-1 minus Teal'c on their mothership uh, tries to jump to hyperspace and Apophis on his mothership also tries to jump to hyperspace and they are both flung 4 million light years away to another 
galaxy. And they're so calm about it. <laughs> I feel like they were in shock when it happened. Maybe, but they're like, oh my god, four million light years anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things that are like, oh, it's another day. It's another day. It's job. Four million <laughs> light years, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. Like, either we'll die in this galaxy or we'll get home. Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. I'm just like, you know, nothing like being stuck in another galaxy with your worst enemy. You know. You know. It's how you become friends. Enemies <laughs> to lovers, man. <laughs> yeah, so they they see SG-1 sees Apophis's ship pop out of hyperspace and Daniel's like, Already, he's just like, maybe we should just surrender. Like, we are not gonna, we are not gonna win a firefight because our ship is already damaged. And I was like, okay, but like, Apophis's ship is probably damaged too. And then another ship pops up, and I immediately was like, wait, is that the Asgard? Because it kind of looked like an Asgard ship, and it probably was an Asgard ship. It just didn't have any Asgard in it because it had replicators. Dun, 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 dun. The bugs are back. Back. I think my yep. notes say not the bugs again. <laughs> I mean, later, but this is, yeah, not uh -huh. the acting bugs again. <laughs> oh, I do want to point out that my very first note for this episode, before the episode had actually started, uh -huh. was if this ain't the episode where they shoot Apophis in the face, I don't want it. Well, hey, you got what you wanted. I got what I wanted. So I'm <laughs> going to start my next one for episode three, be like, if this ain't the episode where Sam and Jack kiss, I don't want it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so this other ship that we don't technically know yet is replicator ship but it is starts immediately shooting on apophis's ship so jacob hightails it to the other side of the sun so that the ships can't see them and jack showed concern about radiation i was like thank you jack thank you for being the realist here <laughs> Surprised he didn't blame the magnets. <laughs> and uh, so Jack makes himself comfortable in Cronus's throne. And I looked it up online and th there's like one shot of it where you can see the writing. And somebody online managed to do like a loose translation of what it says because it's in Greek. Okay, what does it say? <laughs> it says, may he ride against serpents. Zeus of the Tyrians, Cronos... Gracious to the king, Cronus of the noblest. Oh, and that's that's it. Yeah. So, just talking about Cronus. Not it's awesome not where I thought you were going with that. I thought you were going to be like, I looked up the fanfic. <laughs> I no, I should have. If there is <laughs> Sam and Jack fanfic involving this throne, um, please send it to us. Right. Yeah, I need to look I up. it even. Yes. If you're listening and you happen to have written it. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Reddit user Jing for that uh, Greek translation. Appreciate it. And so we get like a brief flash over to the SGC. And one of the Tok'ra, it has come to help tell Hammond that SG-1 is probably dead. <laughs> and they are considering Jacob to be dead. And Hammond is like, they have a surprisingly good habit of beating the odds, so <laughs> they're probably fine. <laughs> they just got renewed for a new season. They will be back. Right? <laughs> like, literally. This is episode one of this new season. Okay. They'll be fine. 
this was my problem with episode 22 is mm -hmm. I wrote that the problem with a three-part arc in a normally episodic show is mm -hmm. that the stakes are both extremely high and virtually non-existent. So right. they're extremely high in that this being a three-part episode, something big is going to happen. Yeah. But th they're not used to pacing one plot out for three episodes. Yeah. There are no stakes. Like yeah. nothing happens in that first episode. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, like yeah. technically things happen. The sun like, nothing up. happened. Yeah. And even at the end where they're like, we're like for a million light years, like that is going to take us like 125 years to get back. I'm like, no, it's not. Cause you were renewed for season five. <laughs> like there's no well, tension here. But I mean, season five could be all about them taking I mean, it years could all be years to get home. home. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they happen yeah, to find it, like it could be, pods but... that kept them alive the whole time. <laughs> or a sarcophagus. Probably is it? <laughs> they just use a sarcophagus for 125 years to keep themselves alive. <laughs> and then that's resolved immediately, if that were the case. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. This is, no, I this is my mean. problem with with the stakes. Yeah. Here. But I, I don't think that's necessarily a Stargate problem. I think that's just like an episodic TV problem. Probably, but this is like this is the episodic TV I'm watching right now. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Like back when I was watching ER, like things would be like, "This is a huge problem." Like you can make one phone call, and this isn't a problem anymore. Yeah, like you just yeah. be honest with this person; and it's not a problem anymore. But yeah, anyway. I do appreciate though with Stargate that they don't. I think some shows run into a problem of like constantly ramping up the tension and then they just kind of run into a wall at some point right whereas i i think stargate is better about that i don't think they're constant like i think having a mix of like longer plot episodes and then just like interstitial adventure of the week i think helps keep things toned down to the point where it's not like constantly trying to outdo themselves necessarily yeah, I know what you mean. I so, agree. I do appreciate that. So it's at least like every time that they're saving the world, it's about the same stakes as the last time they were saving the world. So like, you know, it kind of like balances so it's all the out. same, really. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's good that it's not like, oh, this is ten times worse than last time. Oh, this is ten times worse than last. You know what I mean? Like it. Yeah. It gets old if you try to like constantly wrap up. Um. Okay. So. We have SG-1 minus Teal'c plus Jacob on their ship trying to make repairs. And I think Jack is running around with Sam at some point. And she's talking about, like, oh, she, she knows where to go to find the crystals to do this repair thing. And Jack is like, you know how to have a good time, don't you? And she's like, I'm having a good time now, sir. And then your favorite line. You go, girl. I'm like, just call her a good girl and get it over with. I can't handle the sexual tension. <laughs> Am I wrong? No. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and so I think at some point, Jacob, like, told Daniel to fly the ship. I guess to like check out and see what was going on with the other ships. And Daniel is like, I don't know how to do that. 
he's like getting so frustrated. And Jacob comes back and he's like, thank God. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I identify with Daniel right now. I would also be like, please don't leave me in charge of piloting this ship. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like there's not enough of that in sci-fi in general where somebody has like a specific skill set and then in a yeah. moment of peril, they're like, oh, I can also do this other thing. And it's like, no, right. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I'm using yeah. this. Yeah. Although at least Daniel can read the old warnings that are on the screen. Because <laughs> like Jack wouldn't be able to do that. Jack would be like, you know, it's he all can't get to me. Danger, he can communicate that they are in danger. <laughs> yeah. That's his skills. Yeah, and then there's this whole exchange between Jack and Jacob where like Jacob was being all pessimistic and like the world is ending and then they ended up being fine and Jack is like you know you shouldn't have been so pessimistic like you need to have a little bit more faith and hope in our team blah 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 and Jacob was like well but I couldn't pass up the chance to be right (laughs) and Sam is just like ugh dad I'm like relatable. <laughs> She's like, I can't believe I have to like deal with my dad and his big ego again. Like I thought when I got a job and moved out of the house, I'd be done with this. <laughs> but now he's around all the time. Well, not all the time. Maybe every few months. No. More more than usual. I was noticing this episode, there seemed to be a lot of running back and forth between the Peltac and the engineering room. And I'm like, they are really getting their steps in this episode, let me tell you. Because that's a big ship. The pacing of this episode was also weird. Yeah, the way that they talk about how much time has passed is really confusing. And because later... Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, like, Teal'c taking as long as he did to show back up. And how mm-hmm. much happens after Tilk comes. Yeah. It's wild to think how much episode happened before that, you know? Right. Yeah. Once we meet back up with Tilk, I feel like I have no idea, like, concept of how much time has passed. Because, so essentially, so Apophis had revived Tilk in sarcophagus and brainwashed him. He only had a few hours to do so. At most, I mean, he must have done it. He must be really perfecting his process because they traveled through hyperspace all that way in a matter of seconds. So he really did not have much time to brainwash Teal'c. And I was like, part of me was wondering why Apophis would want to bring Teal'c back as his first prime again. But then I guess it is kind of like a big power move to bring back a traitor who's like pledges their loyalty to you again but um essentially what happens is that teal'c comes over in an outcash and is like oh hey it's just me and some uh jaffa who decided to rebel against apophis and it was a trap so that apophis got onto their ship and so sg1 hang on hang on hang on before we go yeah before we go there if you're Skyping with Teal'c and you're like, I thought you were dead. And he's like, no, Apophis put me in a sarcophagus and now I'm better. Why is your instinct to be like, cool, come over? That's your friend. That's my first question. But, but that's the a friend. Apophis gets involved. 
ask some more questions. Oh, like what, what happened to Apophis? Like, did you kill him? Where is Apophis? Does he know you're calling? How did you get away? Like, Apophis <laughs> made me better for some reason. Anyway, yeah. I'm coming back now. Like, ask like three more questions. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Apophis comes in. He does his thing. They get locked up. So it's SG1 minus two plus Jacob. And at first I was like not sure if Jacob was there because he like wasn't in the initial scene when they're locked up. But I was like, where is he? And he like pops up later. I'm like, oh, I guess he was in the back <laughs> the whole time. He was but in the bathroom. <laughs> I guess so. And so they're in this little prison. And I guess when when they were locked up, they must have been in there overnight. Because at some point a little bit later, they're like, oh, it's been 12 hours since we got here. And I'm like, wait, 12 hours? It must like, have been overnight. It must have been overnight. And they must have gotten a full night's sleep or something. Because that's the only way it makes sense. Except that, like... So Apophis accidentally brought some of the replicators on board. And so it took like at least 10 hours for the replicators to start replicating in great numbers. I don't know. I guess it kind of makes sense. It just felt, it, it felt faster than that. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes when they just happen to throw out a number of how many hours it's been, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. So <laughs> It's just because they need it to have been that long. Yeah, I feel like if it's going to have been that long, you needed to have started the scene with at least two out of the four being asleep. See what I mean? The pacing is weird. Yeah. Okay. I also just generally cannot believe it took them five seasons to have somebody break bad like this. <laughs> like to just do a villain arc. I can't right. believe it took them this long. Well, no, I didn't necessarily. Sam kind of had a villain arc when she had a Toker inside of her. But that's like, like, those are so short. It's like, if it's resolved within 40 minutes, Mm. whereas this was kind of like a two episode thing. Right. And for like really deep, harrowing reasons. I'm like, this is, I can't believe it took this long. Because Daniel also had a, a one episode villain arc. But yeah, I mean, it just was one episode. Yeah. Yeah, this one had more stakes. And so one thing I was confused about, it seemed like they were using cargo the the ring transportation from a Alkesh in the cargo hold to a part of the main ship. I didn't know that you could do that. You can if you need to. The plot <laughs> demands it. You know, so like normally it's like ship to ship, but the small ship is inside the big ship, so it still works. I it don't needs know. The plot <laughs> it didn't make a lot of sense to me. But I, in you know, case, it didn't make sense to me was Teal punching <laughs> Jack in the face. <laughs> yeah. So we have this little scene where Apophis comes into the throne room, and I just. I love so much. He walks up to Cronus's throne and he's like, disgusting decoration. (laughs) (laughs) 
he he sits in it anyway, but he like he doesn't look like he's enjoying sitting in it. He's like perched on it. <laughs> he's not because when it's his own throne, he like lounges back. No, he's like perched on it because he's just like, ugh, like I need to, I want to sit down, but like this is gross. <laughs> They're so petty. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love this so much. So, um, back in the kind of makeshift jail cell, Sam is like trying to essentially MacGyver the door open because she like takes off her belt and uses it as a prying tool. To like open the panel and then like tries to like rewire stuff. And she got Jack to do it. <laughs> if we're MacGyvering things, she was just Jack to do it. And the door suddenly opens and she jumps into her father's arms. And I was like, oh, that was nice. That was a nice moment. <laughs> but yeah, essentially, the. Uh, I think Teal comes to like yell at them for a minute or something and leaves again. And whatever <laughs> they don't accomplish very much <laughs> you're right it's a lot of back and forth in this episode yeah. it's like i'm here now i'm gone now i'm here again now i'm gone again yeah. like and i'm like okay <laughs> okay so then i guess like 10 hours pass or something and the replicators are making a lot of progress and they open the door like two or three feet and so they're like okay well i uh i guess we can leave our jail cell and I just was laughing at how, like, all of them did a different method of rolling and or crawling to get underneath the door. <laughs> I'm just like, y'all are goofy. I wonder if they planned that. Or that was just, like, how they naturally felt like doing it. <laughs> but uh, Apophis figures out that the replicators are taking over. And he seems pretty worried. And I was like, these replicators, man, they humble us all. Even Apophis. Yeah. Who exploded. <laughs> I jumped ahead, but you just want to bet he's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I mean he's he's basically desperately trying to figure out how to survive. He like tries to take his Jaffa out and he ends up abandoning them <laughs> to the to the replicators. They all die. He doesn't care. And he ends up, like, at the Peltag trying to do stuff, not really succeeding. So he just has his, like, personal shield on. So the replicators, like, swarming the entire room, but not directly touching him. And he seems, like, worried, but not, like, he doesn't think he's totally lost until he realizes that they have sh set the ship on a crash course with a planet. And so he's definitely going to blow up. And that's when he realizes, oh, oh, this is how I die. <laughs> but he survived, right? No. I don't believe <laughs> you. Well, I so I'll give you, you. I, I, it's like a tiny bit of a spoiler. He really is dead here. He's died. He's dead. He's dead. He's yes. actually, congratulations, everyone. We made it. Yes. We will Did see I... the actor again, though, because there's two or three episodes where, because this, this show does, like, tiny whimy stuff, there's, like, an alternate timeline where he pops up again, and like, there's... As far as the main story is concerned. He's yes, as far as the main story is concerned, he is dead. Hurrah! We'll see him in, like, new flashbacks and stuff like that. So I think, like, three more episodes we'll see the actor. But yeah, no, he's really yeah. dead. Alrighty. Yeah. 
And it's like, I I feel like it's almost kind of bittersweet because, like, he's been our bad guy since season one, you know? I'm ready for a new baddie. (laughs) Well, you'll get one pretty soon. (laughs) So. Yeah, so. They go get Teal'c and they're like, you can bring his body back, but getting his mind is another story altogether. That fades to black. Mm -hmm. We start the next episode. Yep. And they're like, welcome back, Teal. And I'm like, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> I was so mad. I was like, you do not. She'd be like, anyway, we kissed it better. Now he's fine. <laughs> my comment. So angry. My comment was, he's smiling too much. He's obviously brainwashed. No, I was like, they thought this was like some much. happy, like, I'm happy to be back. And I'm like, I was deprived. Of my <laughs> angst. Um, I should have known they'd come through. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was like, SG1 writers call me and we're going to have a long talk repacing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, I mean, the pacing in this episode was good and that they. Oh, like... it was. I just thought that Teal'c was fine at yeah. first. And I was like, I have a problem with this, but okay. he's not fine, so it's okay. Yeah. I think it's okay. I think it does drag in a few places in the episode, but I think for the most part, it's okay. Of the three, this was the best paced. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. So, so, yeah. <laughs> <Jinx. laughs> so essentially, they come prepared to deal with Teal'c. They call Braytac and bring him in, and so Teal'c at first is like super smiley, which I'm like red flag, and. <laughs> And he's, like, trying to pretend that he's not brainwashed. And they're like, okay, let's just uh, go take a walk. And Braytac is in the hallway. And Braytac is immediately like, oh, he's still brainwashed. For sure. And so Teal'c, like, pushes Braytac out of the way. And he's like, starts running. There's, like, these two airmen who try to tackle Teal'c. And I'm like, I am <laughs> so proud of y'all for trying. But you were <laughs> never going to tackle Teal'c. <laughs> then they finally get Teal'c on the floor and Braytac's like no we're gonna fix you or whatever like rips Teal'c's shirt open I'm like okay go off and then he like <laughs> sticks his hand in his stomach yeah and rips out the multivitamin yeah with the same energy that I use when like my gerbil echo is eating something he shouldn't and I pick him up <laughs> to be like what's in your mouth like same thing. He's like holding this worm, and I'm like, "Give this man an Oscar for how convincing this fight scene with a worm looks, right?" Because you know he's just like either holding, holding like a plastic like a worm, yeah, either holding a stick or like a limp rag or something. Like who knows? Like, or they made him like a spongy fake parasite to yeah. hold, and he's like, Bruh. maybe. I think there was like one time when I saw an unfinished scene where it was just a stick. That honestly kind of makes it funnier. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so they were talking about how they need to, you know, fix the brainwashing. And I was like, I wish they would have walked us through why they couldn't have used a Zat Blast. Because that worked for Ryak when he was brainwashed. So I'm sure in their minds they have some explanation for that won't work because it's not good, like not strong enough for an adult or something like that. And like it worked on Ryak because he was still a child or something like that. But I wish they would have like walked us through that because my first thought was, well, just shoot him with a zap blast. Is that 
not going to do the exact same thing that it did last time, you know? But then we don't get all of the intense flashbacks. Yeah. So... <laughs> so essentially, there's this whole ritual that Braytac knows about to fix the problem. And so they just have to keep Teal'c Primta out of his pouch. And he... His life will flash before his eyes, and so in all of this, he will eventually be able to sort out which memories are real and which ones aren't. Right. And there's some mention about how I think Braytac finally men- mentions his age, since he's 137, and we know that Teal'c is 102. So I'm like, are we really supposed to believe that they're only 35 years apart in age? You know what I mean? Because, like, Tilk looks... They could really be, young. honestly, like, actually 35 years apart. The actors, age. yes. Yeah, but... Like, but, but <laughs> like, the characters, no. I feel like they're not thinking that through. <laughs> I feel like, like they're not Braytac, doing proportionate math. Yeah, I think Braytac should be, like, at least 170. 200 something honestly. yeah because he doesn't yeah i feel like he's not he looks too old for 137 for a jaffa you know if she looks 102 yeah yeah i don't know i agree <laughs> but yeah there is a comment by jack that he's like 99 percent sure that apophis is dead <laughs> jack i've never related more yeah i he didn't see the body. He just screamed and something exploded. I'm like, he, yeah. he's probably fine. <laughs> no, luckily this time we did not need to see the body. He is really dead. Okay. <laughs> I promise he's really dead. In this timeline, at least. <laughs> and so we get a bunch of flashbacks, but they're like fun flashbacks because they're ones we've never seen before. Yeah. Because I feel like sometimes you get flashbacks that are just like rehashing like clip shows. I'm like, oh, but these are actually like some nice, interesting flashbacks. These are structured flashbacks and not like the writers are abstract <laughs> flashbacks. Yeah. The first thing that I noticed though was Apophis' outfit. Because <laughs> he was wearing so many layers. <laughs> it looked like so heavy. Everything that he was wearing was so like big. And I was like, this that must have been his like early era outfits. And then he transitioned to what we saw in the first few se- seasons, which was like a much more toned down. Even though it was solid gold, it was still more toned down because it was like like a long sleeve gold shirt and a short skirt with like a shoulder plate on it, as opposed to like this episode, it's like a big thing and like these big robes and all of this big stuff. I'm like, maybe that got, like, heavy eventually. And he was like, ah. Apophis running around in his all-gold outfit. It's not a phase, Mom. <laughs> so we've seen, like, three different fashion eras of Apophis. So that's that's fun. I think that's a nice thing. Thousands of years of life. Uh, yeah. You go through different phases. Cycle some trends. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Because I feel like all the other Gwowold, we see them basically wearing the exact same thing all the time. And I'm like, well, that's boring. This Apophysis changes it. He changes it up a bit more. Yeah, and I was so I was wondering with all this brainwashing stuff, I was like, I would think that Teal'c's Primta would be able to fight brainwashing. But considering 
the whole episode with Shawnock showing that a Primta is at least tangentially aware of who their host is. Mm-hmm. That maybe the Primta thinks that brainwashing Tilk is a good thing and therefore is, didn't try to fight it. Are the Primta, like, how do I want to put this? Are they able to detect like mental condition and to adjust that's for what that? i was wondering maybe they maybe he can only affect physical stuff and not mental stuff because that that's what i'm thinking like it's not that like, like they don't regulate mood yeah or things like that so like would they have anything to do with with brainwashing because that's, that's not like something physically being done to the brain that's like a condition right right so you probably just didn't catch yeah. it that's a good point maybe like it couldn't it literally couldn't do anything about it and it might also be that it couldn't do anything and even if it could it's like well this is better so yeah now you're following your god as you should be (laughs) and yeah so essentially there's this whole argument between like dr frazier and braytac between like you know how to deal with this ritual because braytac is like you know, essentially, we have to put him through hell so that he remembers who he is, and Dr. Frazier doesn't like it. And Sam has this line of, we also don't approve of torture. And I'm like, oh. Okay. <laughs> oh my Are God. we going there? Are we going there? <laughs> In 2001, we're going there. <laughs> Granted, summer 2001, but like... <laughs> This is going to age really, really badly. Right? In six months. (laughs) First of all, we don't believe in torture. And second of all, like, there's a moment later where she's trying to, like, shake Tilk out of it. And he's like, you believe in your gods this way. And she's like, we don't. We believe in freedom. And I'm like, Sam. Uh, But we still have religion. Like, (laughs) first of all, Sam. (laughs) What? (laughs) This is, again, going to age very badly. Second of all. There are absolutely people who feel that way about their religion. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. Yeah. Whatever their denomination or faith, there are absolutely people that feel that way. So what are you saying? That is one thing that I guess kind of annoys me sometimes with the way that the Tari treat Jaffa who don't like immediately jump ship and like, change to being part of the free Jaffa movement and rebel against their gods and it's like I mean if you think about it there are tons of people on earth who are very adamant about the religion and you cannot tell them otherwise like you could talk to them for hours about how their god is not real and they're not going to believe you and that is when there's essentially no like proof or like of there actually being a god like most it's mostly faith whereas like with the Gwauld, they are actually doing things they are physically throwing people across rooms they have ships they are blowing things up they you know they're doing stuff they're right there in your face showing you what they could do I can totally understand how, as a thought, it would be incredibly difficult to let go of that. There's and, that. And yeah. there's the fact that in our modern world, like real world parallel, when people lose their faith and want to leave their 
you know, their, their religion, their house of worship, their place of worship. Deconstructing that is very time consuming. Yes. And it's not right away. And it's not suddenly like, forget everything I just spent the last 20 years or whatever learning. Yeah. I'm on a new, like, no, it takes time to yeah. deconstruct things. And I feel like they don't get that. Yeah. I do feel like we did see a good example of that with that one guy that we met not too long ago whose father believed that the gold were fake and then some some other god came back to capture his people and so the son stopped believing what his father believed and believed that the gold were gods again and then Teal'c showed him that the the gold weren't gods and so he had this like real back and forth yeah on you know what he believed so i'm like i feel like that is like a good representation of what really happens so but it just like annoys me when people are frustrated when the jaffa don't immediately turn to their side because i'm like well <laughs> you gotta give it yeah it's complicated some of them haven't been thinking about it for years and years like Tilk was thinking about how the world weren't gods for like 10 years before he rebelled yeah so like mm, give some people some time so essentially while Tilk is having all these flashbacks the SG-1 members are like talking to him and trying to convince him that he should remember you know all of his previous beliefs blah 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 and there are some jokes that like really do not age well <laughs> um, like Teal'c is having a flashback about his wife and so he seemingly calls Daniel a woman and like Daniel and Jack like make a whole thing out of it and I'm like guys <laughs> not that big a deal okay calm down First of all, he's, like, not in his right mind. And second of yeah. all, it's not that big a deal. It's not that big of a deal. Like, everybody knows you're a man, Daniel. It's fine. Calm down. Biologically a man. But, like, <laughs> is he an adult? Not really. That's true. He's a boy. It's a boy. <laughs> and so I feel like all this stuff, like, where they're, like, babysitting Tilk is, like, the boring parts. I feel like all the flashbacks are the interesting parts. They are. I agree. Because, like, the babysitting teal, because they're all just sitting there going, are you okay? But then we go to yeah. the flashback, and he's, like, sparring shirtless in the woods and, like, <laughs> getting stern with his wife. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. And we have several scenes with his friend named Valar. And I we had gotten, like, a, a hint of this story in a previous season, I think. And we got the full story this time. Whereas, like, his friend Valar who I guess they, they were on the personal guard together. And so Valar was given this assignment and to go fight some of Ra's Jaffa at this particular location. And it fails. And so he retreats. And so Teal'c is sent to kill Valar as punishment for losing the battle. And so Teal'c decides to... So he takes Valar to the place where the battle failed as like a symbolic thing and he decides to let Vilar go and so he takes some other random Jaffa who's dying he takes his Primta instead as proof that he killed Vilar so Vilar goes and runs off and 
goes to like the a nearest village where he can like try to hide out there. And this is what convinces Teal'c that Apophis is not all knowing and all seeing. And so he's probably not a god after all, just like Braytek has been teaching him. So this is an incredibly important memory and moment for Teal'c. This is like essentially like where his life turned around. I think it was after that that he was like talking to his wife about it and wasn't really sure. Bang it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I don't think Apophis is a god, but like, I don't know what to do about it. And actually, maybe that was when they conceived Ryak, honestly, because <laughs> she's talking about it. Yeah. And so, because then there's. Is it then or is it a different one? There was one one episode where she's talking about how she's pregnant with Ryak. In this episode? Uh-huh. Yeah, it is in this episode. It's like the next one. But I didn't know if it was the same scene as the or if it was two different scenes. I don't know. In any case, what surprised me was that I thought that Teal'c had been first prime for a lot longer, but essentially I think he was only first prime for about 10 years because he gets his promotion when Dreyak is pregnant with Ryak. And then when we meet Ryak later, he's like, I don't know, about 10 years old? I'm not totally sure how old he is, but... It could be anything, honestly, the way they age. <laughs> right? <laughs> approximately and so i guess that surprised me i thought that he had been first prime for a lot longer than 10 years but i guess it could be that he was on the personal guard first yeah and maybe he was part of the personal guard for several decades also like like first prime like having a leadership position in an organization the system this volatile feels mm -hmm. like it feels much longer than it mm -hmm. actually is you know what i mean like it kind of comes yeah. with with that yeah wait yeah and i always was curious about braytech because he obviously got to like retire and i i feel like that's unusual i feel like most first prime would be like okay you're first prime until you're killed in battle kind of thing but i guess braytech was so good at his job that he stayed alive and eventually was like hey, I'm getting a little old for this. And he's a perfectly good host, so there's no reason to kill him. Yeah. So that's that's probably why. And he just, like, he continued teaching other Jaffa. Because we hear, you know, in various episodes about him having different disciples or pupils or whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, that is interesting to know that it is possible to have, like, a happy retirement. <laughs> You just have to be really good at killing other people. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, Braytech, we love him so much, but uh, he's probably done some stuff. He's probably yeah, done no. a lot of stuff. You know how it is. Yeah. I also have a note that they must have really maxed out Teal'c's candle budget for this episode. <laughs> it's been $30,000 on candles. Please help me. My family's <laughs> There's so many candles in the room with him. <laughs> like, is that like a fire hazard around all that like medical equipment too? I'm like, oh, okay. Everybody like 
is feeling bad for Teal, and so they're all like taking trips to IKEA to get those like just buying bulk candles, boxes of candles, going to a candle wholesaler, being like, "Trust us." <laughs> yeah, we really need these. <laughs> I did think it was really interesting that in all these flashbacks, the battles that they're doing, they're all against Raw. So I'm like, "Oh, okay." I mean that that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It just makes me, it does make me think about the bigger picture though too in terms of like how all of the like major gold have been around for thousands and thousands of years. So you could win a battle here and there, but basically their wars with each other are lasting for thousands of years. Like I can't conceive of a war. <laughs> lasting for thousands of years like how do you continue to have enough resources to fight you drain mm -hmm. other people yeah i mean you have slaves is the answer yeah the... <laughs> yeah that's crazy Sl slavery and colonization yeah hey that sounds familiar <laughs> oh we did also get i think it's the first reference to how long a primta needs to be incubated for inside of a Jaffa because they're talking about how there's some line about something something when his symbiote matures in four or five years and I think Teal'c got this particular Primta with Ryak in season one episode 11 which means that his Primta is probably about three years old so they need to incubate for about seven to eight years before they're mature. So that's an interesting little nugget of information. Fun factoid. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, essentially, the ritual eventually works. He, Tilk does flatline. And so they have to use the paddles on him. And and Dr. Frazier gets to do her thing. And she's, like, really mad that it, they made her wait until the last possible second to help him. But uh, he ends up breaking through the brainwashing, and he's going to be fine. He's fine. Yeah. He's okay. He's actually back. Yep. Not faking it. Not faking it. No. The team's back together. Apophis is dead. Yep. What more could we ask for? Well, it's too bad that we didn't get to keep a mothership. Well, that's fine. No. But um, none of the good guys died, so... They didn't even pretend yeah. I. Yeah. Big things for them. Well, I guess Teal technically did die. Okay, we're not counting it. They they he bounced back. No, we've counted other times when somebody died and they were brought back in a sarcophagus. Okay, fine. Teal died. <laughs> yeah. Fine. I'll allow it. <laughs> oh, there was at some point. In episode one, where I have a note of, has Daniel not been wearing glasses this whole time? So is he just, like, not wearing glasses anymore? He got contacts. I guess so. I know that, I know there is some point where he stops wearing glasses. I just couldn't remember which season it was. So maybe it's this season. We'll have to pay <laughs> attention next week. Yeah, so maybe Michael Shanks was just tired of wearing glasses. I don't know. And then I also made a comment of, like, there's one scene where Sam and Jack, they, like, they've knocked Teal'c out and they're going to take him back home. And so presumably Sam and Jack are going to carry him because they're, like, getting ready to carry him. But then 
the scene cuts before we actually see them carrying Teal'c. I'm like, yeah, that checks. <laughs> I think it probably would have been just too funny. <laughs> They're trying to carry Chris Judge. <laughs> like the mental image is just so funny. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. This is like the most personality that we've seen from Teal'c. Like really, like since the beginning. Yeah. Well, it's like they're finally giving him a long character arc where we like see a whole bunch of flashbacks to like how he got to this point. And so, yeah, that was yeah. nice. <laughs> oh, your comments are so funny. Thank you. What is your comment? Not the face. What is wrong with you? Teal punch, Jack. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Not the bugs again. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Anything problematic in these episodes? Well, there's that joke about Daniel being a woman that I thought was tired. But other than that, I don't think so. Yeah, I think it was okay. I mean, Sam being like, we don't torture people. We believe in freedom was a little... uh, (laughs) Certainly a choice. But I don't know if that's problematic so much. No. It's like... Yeah. Something (laughs) worth considering. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the episodes hold up okay. Like, you know, standard save the world type plot. Well, I guess they weren't technically saving the world this time, actually. They were just saving themselves. Yeah. They were too far from the world to do any real damage. Yep. Okay. Well, next week we're going to be back with SG-1 with episodes 3 and 4, Ascension and the Fifth Man. Arzir, are you ready for your next quote? I am ready. Hey, this is not a relationship we have going here. I don't even know what it is. It's Sam talking to the alien of the week who seems to think they're in a relationship that is perhaps more serious than it actually is. And she's like, I don't know you. (laughs) Any postulating about the alien of the week? Nah. Okay. Some guy, like a generic good-looking white guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's just some guy. <laughs> You're getting really good at this. <laughs> You'll see next week, like, the accuracy of it. Is he just some guy in, like, a slightly misshapen brown tunic? <laughs> No tunic. Okay. No tunic. About, about 75% of the time they're in a misshapen tunic. Yeah. Hey, that fabric is really cheap. They just bought it in bulk. They recycled the tunics. You know. They put a different patch on it. It's a completely it different works. group of people. And it works for like, you know, the Togra and those like weird Christians that were living in the medieval ages. They give them like a silver sash. And it's like, no, these are the blue, 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 blue. But it's just like Togra costumes with a sash. You know. You know. Save money. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's it for today. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would love for you to rate us five stars wherever you can. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast, Twitter, and Tumblr page at Warm Waffles, maybe some other places too. Who knows? You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. I'm on Blue Sky at ArzuAmin.blueSky.social. I'm at ArzuD2 everywhere else, so 
Tumblr, Instagram, Hive, Facebook, Jam. As a network, we are on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are the geeky waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Tumblr. We're the geeky waffle on YouTube. We're at thegeekywaffle.com. And we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. Thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you on the other side of the horizon.